getting a mental illness in high school can be life-changing. And alhamdulillah, today I talked to my youngest guest who shares her experience with bipolar while going to high school. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to season two, episode nine of the Mentally Fit Muslims podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you spending your time with me. And I want to let you know that the website for this podcast is finally up. You can visit it at www.mentallyfitmuslims.org. And be sure to sign up for the email list so you know every time there's a new episode. Today, I'm so excited because I'm talking to Maryam and she's the youngest person I know with bipolar and Alhamdulillah, she's doing really well. And today we just chatted about how she's doing, how she's recovering, and what she does to stay well. All right, enjoy the show. Assalamu alaikum, Maryam. Wa alaikum salam, sabah. How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you doing? I'm good, alhamdulillah. It's so nice to have you on because you're the youngest guest on my podcast. So I'm very excited. Do you want to just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? Uh, absolutely. So my name is Maryam. Uh, I'm 16 years old and I've had bipolar since I was 14. Um, and yeah, I go to high school now and uh, everything is good. Everything is good. Wow. <laughs> that means you're in a good spot. And I think that's why I wanted to have you on because I couldn't believe I'm like you're 16 now, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like a 16-year-old with bipolar and she's doing well. I got to talk to her. Yeah. So <laughs> um, when did you know that you had, not exactly that you had bipolar, but you sensed something was off? Um, okay, so um, I sensed that something was off since I was 13. I technically got diagnosed when I was 14, but before that, uh, I used to have... Uh, uh, really like down times before that I didn't know anything about depression uh, I didn't even know mania and bipolar wasn't something that's in my dictionary basically so um yeah I just um I, um in grade seven specifically um there was an incident where I got bullied and I was just under a lot of stress and there was a lot of anxiety and as patients with bipolar we know that anxiety um, triggers episodes so then due to that bullying and due to that um, anxiety I had depression and then I used to have really really down times um, to the point that I would basically like know that okay this is not the normal Miriam like there's there's something wrong with me and that's where I kind of um, sensed that there was something wrong uh, we did go to a doctor, uh, but that was in another Arab country. So we did go to a doctor. Uh, but then she just said that, oh, it's fine. Everyone uh, experiences that. Even my uh, daughters experience that. And it's just um, a little bit of uh, stress and you'll be fine. So, yeah, that's where I kind of, that's when I kind of like sensed that, oh, no, I'm not fine. Like there was actually something wrong. That sounds so familiar to mine, like the doctor saying that, oh, this is nothing, yeah. it's just fine like that. That's how it started with me. 
when you said the doctor just said to you that this is normal and it happens and they didn't really give you an exact answer. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what happened with me. So after that, what, what did you do? How did you, you knew that there was something more. So what did you do from there? Um, so, you know, unfortunately, um, the first time that I went to the doctor, it was a bit too late because I was already past the depression episode and I was kind of back to normal for just a little bit of time. So I feel like that's why the doctor kind of didn't really um, say anything. Uh, but from the symptoms that my parents reported, they should have like sensed something. Um, but then uh, Ramadan came and Eid came. And then once Eid came, you know, everyone's supposed to be happy. Uh, but I was the only one that was very, very anxious and very, you know, um, sad and almost depressed at that time. So I kind of just tried to brush it off, but it wouldn't go away. Like it would just almost become stuck and that's when the people around me started noticing so family started noticing friends started noticing and you know it made me even more insecure and the problem with bipolar is that it's not like you become depressed and right after you become manic no there is actually a little bit of time that you can be normal in it even if you have a little bit of symptoms, but you can still be a bit normal. So yeah. uh, I feel like that's where I kind of just tried to brush it off and wasn't really, as I said before, bipolar wasn't something in my dictionary. So I completely didn't know anything about it. I just thought, okay, I'm a teenager. Um, it happens to everyone. And I actually somewhat believed what the doctor told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if we don't have that vocabulary, so many people fall into this trap because they don't know what is going on. And we just have to take other people's word for it, especially like uh, doctors and professionals, because we mm -hmm. think that they have all the answers. So whatever I think, it's not really that valid. Yeah. So Alhamdulillah, you know, I hope like us talking and someone who's listening, they get that vocabulary. So if they're at a point and they kind of sense the same things that you're talking about, they'll have that vocabulary. Yeah, you know, Alhamdulillah, it's a blessing to, you know, have someone else that really understands and kind of went through the same mm -hmm. thing. So it's really, uh, it's, it's really like nice to have someone that's like that. It is. It's like you click with them because you try to describe this to other people, even a therapist or a doctor. They can't really be in your exact shoes. They can't really know what's going on. So during that period, like you had that depression period and there was kind of a wellness period, not wellness, but, you know, kind of normal. Yeah. Um, then did the mani uh, manic episode come and how did it happen? What did you yeah. do? Um, so we came to Canada and grade eight passed. There were some symptoms, but they weren't as severe and then grade nine came along that's when things really started uh shifting for me so um yeah i i used to be you know very very excited for everything uh it got to a point where i wanted to have a debate and i sent uh, an email to my teacher at 2 a.m hmm. and 
there were some times that I couldn't sleep. Uh, it's not because I drank like a shot of espresso in the morning or something. No, it was because of the thoughts that were racing in my head. There was almost um, a train of thoughts that's going in my head and I can't really keep up with it. And, you know, when I'm in this situation, you get really mixed up because in mania, it's not that you're only happy and you're very excited and all of that. You get so emotional as well. So I used to fight a lot with my parents, fight a lot with my siblings, and it got to a point where I would actually, you know, be violent with them. Um, and it was very, very bad. And then that's when... Uh, my parents kind of decided, okay, there's something wrong. I remember um, I was in a program, a business program, where basically teenagers come together and they create a, um, uh, it's JA, so Junior Achievement. They create like a kind of a, almost like a company. And mm -hmm. I remember I was like very, very weird at that time. And I remember telling my mom that, mom, um. I feel like I have a mental illness. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I feel like there's something wrong. And that's when, you know, my parents kind of took it seriously and they said, okay, uh, we're gonna start going to the hospital and we're gonna have counseling there. So uh, I got referred from my family doctor to uh, the hospital and in there, um, so I actually went two times. The first time, the the doctor said that it's fine and it's just a little bit of st stress and, you know, it's it's normal. And, um, yeah. And then the second time that I went where it got really, really severe, um, it was in a manic episode. And then I remember the, the doctor telling me that, and my whole family basically, oh, like she, she has bipolar. And this is the diagnosis. And yeah, I just, it wasn't easy and it wasn't fun. Um, I started crying and, you know, it was very, very hard to, even though you kind of sensed something since the beginning, when someone puts you in the actual situation, they actually tell you the reality, it's a whole different level. Like you just, you just couldn't, couldn't have imagined that, oh, you have, like you have bipolar. So, um, yeah, I just, I got very emotional. And then I remember there was actually a video. So my parents took a video of me and I was manic at oh that my time. God. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I just, that was a little bit after the diagnosis, but it, it was kind of at the beginning of my journey. And then I was super happy. And I was just like, you know, I'm manic. So I was super happy. And I was just like, yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, and I said the date. And then I was just like, yeah, so um, I got diagnosed with bipolar. And I'm reading about it. And it's actually fun. But what mm. came after it wasn't really fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, that's where kind of started. And that's where what happened after the depression when you describe your story, it's like I'm looking in the past and you're just narrating yeah. what happened to me. I mean, it was at a different time, but the story is very, very similar. And it's, it, it's really, yeah. it's really like amazing how like, you know, I can go mm -hmm. through something and you can go through the yeah. same thing, literally yeah. connect. 
a blessing in itself. It is. And with the mental illness, that is so crucial because I think the first thing it does is that it makes you think that you're the only one. It makes you feel isolated. And when you can't find anyone like yourself, you just go deeper and deeper inwards. And especially if you're depressed, you just turn inwards. Um, You know, I used to think like, okay, the first time I went to the doctor, how come they didn't tell me that, you know what, you have bipolar right away? And mm-hmm. I also realized that they're probably not sure either because I had the mentality they should have all the answers. But I realized maybe the first time they don't know that this is bipolar. They need more time. They don't want to just hand out a diagnosis because even after I did get the bipolar diagnosis, I had to research and make sure is this true? Do I really want this label? Is it really accurate? Yeah. So it's... uh. Like each time I talk to another person with bipolar, I sort of get more insight into mine as well because I learn from the person I'm talking to. So I just realized that because you were also saying that when you first went in, they didn't say that you're bipolar right away. They said it could be stress or like that. And the same thing happened to me. So I'm wondering, like, why not just say it right away? But probably they're not sure either. Exactly. And the thing with mental illnesses as well is that... um, Sometimes mental illnesses or different mental illnesses can be very similar or can have similar symptoms in a way. So I feel like that's why doctors don't just want to give out or just say or label you with something that really you don't have. I feel like, as you said, they need more time. They need to be very specific and detailed and they need to know more about you in order for you to in order for them to give you the correct diagnosis. So that's definitely like. Uh, a key thing to think about as well yeah because with bipolar and other mental illnesses there's no like a blood test you can do of -hmm. course it's all the doctor reads the behavior they ask you for your input they talk to your family so it's all about what's going on and it's all behavior based which kind of makes things really tough because it becomes subjective as well Mm -hmm. so there's so many unknowns and it, it is tough it's very tough um when you talked about that you were in the manic episode and you were happy and you're saying, I have bipolar and it's fun. Yeah. I've done stuff like that too. And then yeah. I come out of it and I see the mess I've made. I was like, oh my God, what happened? What did I do? Yeah. And you know, after that, there's a lot of embarrassment or shame or depending on what happened in the episode. Did you yeah. like experience something like yeah. that? Like you just shared something small, but especially being a Muslim and in the Muslim community, what experience did you have with that? You know, um, you know, and this thing, it doesn't like the guilt or the shame that comes with it. Um, it doesn't go away like that. It's not like you snap your fingers and all of a sudden uh, you don't have any of those feelings. No, um, for me, every time I remember, um, for example, I when I was manic I used to go to the mosque and it wasn't Ramadan actually and I used to go to the mosque and I would literally make friends with anyone and everyone no matter how old they are no matter how you know young they are I would just be like that social wall that I would call myself and I would just be like yeah how are you how's everything blah 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 and all of that and then you know um I used to volunteer as well so um, I used to volunteer at a camp and I was still you know manic at that time so you know when you're dealing with people you kind of 
you can kind of see in their eyes, now that you look back to it, when you remember that person, you kind of see in their eyes that, oh, um, what the heck is wrong with her? Like, why is she acting like that? I don't know if I'm, like, um, exaggerating or not, but, like... No, like, I know what you mean, because yeah. I remember when I would get manic, they, I would go into these in this phase, and you're talking about going to the mosque, I did the exact same thing and volunteer and my family knew there was something wrong with me they knew I was manic and they'd be like Saba stay home I'm like no I'm fine I'm fine and they couldn't really like lock the door and control me so I would just go out start talking to anyone and yeah you're right that look that people have in their eyes you can tell even though you're manic but you can sense that they sense that something is not right with you wrong with you yeah yeah um and then like I look back to it sorry now that I look back to it I'm ashamed like I'm actually I feel guilty for that like why did I do that like um why did I have to be in this situation and then I just keep reminding myself that oh you're going too hard on yourself you can't feel guilty for a time that you're almost like you're literally sick in that time so you can't you know you can't judge yourself for that and, you know, I feel like we have to keep reminding ourselves. You can't judge yourself for a time that you were ill or sick or mentally not fit in. And you basically have to just ease and and comfort yourself that, oh, uh, Miriam or Saba or whoever that is, you weren't well at that time. And it's okay to not be well. Mashallah, you're so mature for a 16-year-old. <laughs> Um, yeah you're right about you have to tell yourself that you were sick and that's why you were doing that because if somebody had a broken leg and they could not walk as fast as the person next to them they would never feel guilty about that they wouldn't feel ashamed that hey my leg doesn't work as well as that person but somehow with mental illnesses we feel ashamed for the behavior that is linked to the disorder and the illness and that is a self-stigma and stigma around us that we have to overcome because as long as we keep doing that we'll never see this as you know just any other disorder any other thing that we have to deal with yeah I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up okay so after you knew that you had bipolar so you were in grade nine so that's two, grade nine okay yeah. um so you're in grade uh, grade 12 now I'm grade 11. 11, okay. So how have things shifted for you now that you've kind of had a couple of years to grow into bipolar, you know, kind of come to terms with it? Now, um, what do you hope for your future and how has it affected your viewpoint on life and about yourself? You know, I feel like the most significant change that happened in my life was that I started realizing and believing that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves someone, he really starts to test them. And that test uh, shouldn't be a punishment. And it's not a punishment. And I have to keep reminding myself with that all the time. Because, you know, sometimes as as um, people with mental health disorders or something like that, we just start to go really hard on, us, on ourselves. And especially if you're a Muslim, you keep 
thinking that, oh, is that a punishment or is that a test or did I do something wrong? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is punishing me. Like, I'm really not sure. But, you know, you have to keep reminding yourself that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves someone, you know, he starts to test them. And why does he test them? He tests them because, you know, he wants to really raise you to higher levels in Jannah. So that's the main point. And, you know, I'm not saying that, oh, I'm like, I keep reminding myself of that all the time. And, you know, it's all going well and there's nothing uh, like bad in my life. No, uh, I do have times that I'm really down in and I keep question that, oh, like, why me? Or like, um, and, you know, when 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 you're living with a mental health disorder and, you know, something that's not related to it happens or like you be upset about something, you start saying, oh, only if I wasn't bipolar, like this wouldn't have happened. So, you know, it, it really, it's really um, interesting how we think that way. Uh, of course, I don't know about you and I don't know about many other people, but for me, I keep thinking about that. And, you know, you I just still think that. I still yeah. think that if I didn't I, have bipolar, yeah. I'd be able to do this. If I didn't have bipolar, then I could have done this. Exactly. I keep thinking that way. And, you know, it just comes with time. You just got to shift your self-talk and you got to challenge that thought with, oh, um, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with me and I'm well now. In fact, I've made progress, even if it's slow, even if it's only 1%. No. I'm still becoming better and I will be better. And, you know, because um, right now I have therapy and therapy is a great tool for it. But at the beginning, I wasn't really convinced. I was like, um, yeah, like how how come when you write down your negative self-talk and then you write down your positive self-talk, all of a sudden your, your thinking is going to shift. Well, it doesn't really work that way. It works after a couple of times. It works after multiple times. It works when you, when it comes to a point where you don't have to write it down on a piece of paper anymore. You can just think about it in your head and you can really challenge that negative thought with a positive thought, with many positive thoughts, actually. So it really comes down to um, your self-talk and how you think and... Um, what you want to be in terms of my future uh, what I'm hoping for in the future is to obviously meet new people and meet more people with uh, the same disorder that I have and learn from their um, um, experiences and actually get to know them more and uh, on a personal level I want to start um, just really changing and shifting my thoughts and my negative self-talk to a positive one um even when i'm sad so what i mean by that is sometimes when we get sad as i said before we keep saying um only if i didn't have bipolar this wouldn't have happened but we really we really can't blame it on bipolar anymore because alhamdulillah we're supposed to be well now so you know um i just I'm just hoping that one day I can, when I'm sad, I can keep reminding myself that, oh, Miriam, it's not because of bipolar and it's not because of me. It's just it's something that happened and I can change it and I will change it right now and I'll be more happy. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, you mentioned therapy. 
and yeah. you're saying you were you're not sure of it in the beginning and mm-hmm. how how did you actually get yourself to go and how did you change that mindset because a lot of people there are not open to therapy you know they're like yeah. why pay someone to listen to you talk I can just talk to you or you know there's no yeah. point I, I don't want to share any personal details with anyone so yeah. how how did you get yourself to go and now that you have you're talking about how it actually does help yeah you know um sometimes I still get these thoughts that oh like therapy doesn't help but I remember I keep reminding myself of that one time that once my dad was driving me to therapy and he was just joking around with me he was just like yeah Miriam we we keep going to therapy every Friday and you know it's it's not really fun and like why don't we just stop and he wasn't like he wasn't taking it seriously and I was just like um he was just joking and then I just looked at him and I was like yeah I know I don't like it and I know that um it's not fun but I know that one day I'll see the progress I know that one day every single step that I took in therapy will pay off and it will be worth it so that's kind of when I started thinking that oh maybe therapy is not as bad and then you know um I started opening up opening up more with my therapist so I wouldn't just go to her and or go to him and be just like oh I'm like yeah I'm super shy and I'm not really gonna tell you anything or blah 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 no I I start talking with them I know it's embarrassing and I know that you can really feel feel insecure but really they see like a lot of patients every single day and you know my therapist told me that once she was like yeah Miriam I don't judge you for your thoughts and I will never judge you for anything I'm here to help and this is really their job like they like it and they enjoy it they love helping people so even till today I still question therapy But every time I look back on that incident and every time I look back on how I was before therapy and how I am now with therapy, there's a huge uh, shift in my thinking and there's a big um, change in me as a person. So I'm better. There's there's progress. And even if it's slow. So with me, um, I've been therapy for two years now. The progress is somewhat slow. And, uh, you know, this sometimes can cause me to think that, oh, Miriam, like, uh, we got to speed it up a little bit. But it doesn't happen that way because our brains and how um, it works and, and how we think, it got almost like in a system over the years. And you can't just change how you think in one day or in one hour or in one minute. No, it takes time and it takes a lot of time. So we've got programmed over years. You can just expect for this change to happen over over um, an hour or over a day. No, it happens over years as well. So yeah, you just got to keep reminding yourself of that. And therapy does help. And I will keep reminding myself of that every single day that therapy does help. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think therapy is really important. And in the beginning, I was not open to it either. And... I, over the years, like I've been seeing a therapist since I think, what is it now, 16, 17 years. And (laughs) the moment I stop, it's like the mental junk just adds up. And 
it's like I can't find anything in my head. It's it's like my bedroom. If I don't clean up and I let it get dirty and the clothes just pile up and the papers and the books, yeah. then when I need something, I cannot go and find it. And I find it's the same way in my head. Therapy mm-hmm. is like a dumping ground and it's a very safe dumping ground. And I like what you said about your therapist. She said that I won't judge you for your thoughts. I think that is so powerful and it's so helpful because even ourselves, we judge ourselves for our thoughts. That's very true. Yeah. And getting over that is tough because our brain, what it does is think that's its job. It's like our lungs. Our lungs are designed to breathe. So if Mm -hmm. we're shaming our brain for doing its job, then it's, it's absurd. It's kind of, we're attacking it for its, you know, very own purpose, the purpose that it was made for. So I'm, I I love that you said that, that I won't judge you on your thoughts. So as I'm talking to you, there's so many insights that I'm learning from you. And I I just still can't get over the fact that I'm talking to a high school student. Like when I was in high school, I was a mess. And I, I knew I had bipolar and I was doing all these behaviors oh my God, I'd be breaking stuff. I'd be so aggressive. I'd have so many moods up and down. But yeah, oh my God. And Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy that you've gotten the help so early on. And Mm -hmm. inshallah, that will set the course for the rest of your life. Because many people, like 10 years later, when they're in their 20s or even like in their 30s and 40s, they find out that they have a mental illness. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying it gets worse if the diagnosis got, um, they got diagnosed late. Yeah. Yeah, it just gets super worse. So, yeah, I'm glad, alhamdulillah, that I got it early. Alhamdulillah, yeah, it's a blessing. Because I used to think, you know, it ruined my life right from the start. But Mm -hmm. I think it kind of gave us a head start because we knew beforehand and we could get help earlier. And it's yeah. just like you're saying, you know, the our brain, um, our brain was programmed all this time, and to unprogram it or to kind of clean it up and get it mentally fit again, it's gonna take time. So yeah. the earlier you start, the better. So Mariam, I wanted to ask you, what role does Islam play in helping you manage bipolar? Like you talked about, um, how this illness is just a test from Allah. And when we see it as that, it's not something that you take personally and you, it kind of levels the ground with other people because you realize every other person has a test too. And this is my lot. This is what I have to deal with. And Allah gave it to me for a reason. So that can really shift your viewpoint and then give you a really, really strong purpose to go through this pain because the pain is still there just because you have this insight doesn't mean it's all fun and happy it just gives you a reason so that pain has a purpose so along those lines like how else has islam played into your recovery you know um really like islam is such a beautiful religion and the, I feel like the the best thing about it is that you can really communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not like you're communicating with him through someone else. No, you're actually directly communicating with him through dua. Through dua, um, that's basically like I'm dumping everything out. And I feel like dua, you don't really have to restrict it with anything. You can just like just raise your hands to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and tell him about anything and everything. 
and just tell him like, oh Allah, I feel this, I feel that, I feel down, I'm so sad, and blah blah blah, and just dump everything out, and if you want to cry, cry, like, no worries, no, no one's gonna judge you, and he's your Lord, so he created you, and he, he will listen to you, subhanAllah, and you know, um, just dua in itself, is the most beautiful way of communicating with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because after you're done and after all of what you said you actually feel this relief like somehow after all of that crying after all of that you know um all of those words that you said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of that all of this big conversation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just listens subhanallah it just it, it's very therapeutic and it just relieves everything now i'm not saying that you know dua is the is the like the only thing that will heal you of course it can but you have to take the reasons as well so you have to go to a therapist you have to go and take your meds it's not like um if you don't take your meds and you just do that you're somehow gonna be fine no you have to take your meds as well but it's just that um, dua is such a beautiful way to just um, dump everything out and feel that relief afterwards. I love that you say that dua is therapeutic and mm -hmm. it's not therapy, but it definitely is therapeutic. I find that dumping ground and just talking to Allah from the heart, it definitely, it's like rain coming. It washes everything out and then you feel kind of fresh again. Yes. So. Yeah, that connect I feel like bipolar has made my connection to Allah stronger because every time I feel pain, I turn to him because I know ultimately he's the only one who can yes. change my condition, who can help me. He's the one who's gonna send me the doctors, the meds, the support, the therapy, but he is the source. And I think going to him right when the calamity hits, right when you have an episode or even like tiny things, you know, you feel stressed out somebody really like bothers you and you just take it a lot harder than someone else because of the bipolar and turning to Allah right from the beginning and while it's happening and then thanking him in the end, it just, it makes you feel like you have somebody there all the time. You have someone, some power overlooking you. So that loneliness that I was talking about that we get from talking to each other, talking to Allah first is, I find the first way to feel that you have that support. Yeah, I totally agree with you when you said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always be there for you. Like he's mm -hmm. just always around. He'll always be around. And he was around. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he will always be there for you. So that's definitely a key thing yeah. to think of as well. So talking about your support um, or just support in general, what? Mm -hmm. how is it with you, like with your family and friends and your community did yeah. you find you had a lot of support and did you have any backlash? You know, um, obviously my family, alhamdulillah, they've been really supportive since the beginning. Um, yeah, they were just super supportive, alhamdulillah. I can't be thankful enough. Um, but yeah, my family is basically like the main source. Um, so far, I only know one person in the community uh, in my community that's bipolar and um, I can't really connect that much because uh, they're much older than me so yeah I, like I can't be friends with them or something um, but yeah but I can definitely talk to them and open up with them about um, 
some stuff. Um, but yeah, I feel like the main support was through uh, my family and uh, my therapist and my psychiatrist, so like the doctors. Um, but I was super happy um, when I knew about you and when, uh, you know, yeah. I um, I just knew that, you know, someone out there is actually like you. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. I, I know the feeling. I remember the first time I found my bipolar Muslim friend. Yes. <laughs> it's it's like so amazing how like you think that, oh, I'm the only one and I'm so isolated and no one's like me. And then you just all of a sudden see someone and they're like you. And you We're know, talking you... as if we're like a different species or something. That we, exactly. We found someone <laughs> of our own kind. Um, that's so true you're just like when you see another person from that species as well you just look at them and you're like yes i can connect with you so so yeah it's definitely like uh, a great thing alhamdulillah it's a blessing that you know i know someone else that's like me even if it's only one person even if it's only two but it's 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 certainly like a good support yeah i find that's a cool thing with bipolar depression or anxiety you kind of connect with someone who has the exact same thing as you and you can't have that same connection with someone else like they can try to understand and sympathize but you get this special bond with someone who has that same thing as you because i i think that's precious yeah because they've been because they've been through the same things that you've been through as well so that's why they can you guys can kind of click um but yeah it's definitely like more magical when you meet someone that's like you and you can kind of connect and then as opposed to if you talk to your therapist or something they will still like help you and stuff but they have not technically experienced the same thing yeah they've read about it in a book but they haven't actually gone through it yeah so what do you have in place in your life right now that someone who's listening and they're struggling with bipolar and they're just learning about it what would you recommend to them to you know have in place in their life in their schedule or just in their daily routine what would you say to them that hey you should try this and this could help because it helped me so what advice basically would you give to them um okay so my advice is to basically open up about it um with people that you feel safe around so for example for me um whenever I feel down or whenever I I feel like oh I can't handle it anymore I would just go up to my mom or my dad and I would just basically talk to them and you know say everything to them the same thing try to open up with your therapist like that's key try to treat them as you know as if they weren't just a stranger they are a stranger but they're trying to help you so just try to open up with them and you'll be surprised of how helpful they can be and then for like practical tips i would say just like this is something that i've tried recently and it's it's been like really good for me so uh it's a gratitude journal so every day i would write down not not every single day but when i have the time um, I would write down three things that I'm grateful for and I would say Alhamdulillah for each of them. Um, so that's something that's been really 
helping me and uh, it really helps to shift your focus from the um the difficulty to what you already have and what you're blessed with mashallah it's it's so um mind blowing to hear a teenage talk about a gratitude journal alhamdulillah <laughs> 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 i'm i'm so as your older sister i'm much older but as your older sister i'm so proud of you mashallah i i keep saying that cuz i i just believe that it's so true and i that gratitude journal is it's like gold and i i do that too and i find it such a mood shifter and i was um, before i go to sleep like uh to my daughter i tell her okay let's say thank you to allah for something so i'll say thank you allah you know for the food today and then she'll choose something and then the other day i said thank you allah for the messy house and she's like hey eh? messy house isn't that something bad why are you saying thank you for something you know that's not good and i realized that you know we sometimes only say thanks um to allah for things that we like you know that this went well and this was good uh but i learned from a teacher that the next level of gratitude is to say thanks for something that you don't like that is out of your control and that you, brings us cuz you show right? that you're satisfied with it cuz cuz you show yeah. that you're with it and uh, you know satisfaction is basically the thing that i think every muslim is trying to reach that you're satisfied if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested you, you're satisfied. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you something that's good, you're also satisfied. So I feel yeah. like that's kind of where it comes from. It does, yeah. So it definitely helps. Um, yeah. Okay, so you talked about a gratitude journal. You talked about finding someone to open up to. So for you, it's your parents uh, and your therapist. What about like role of friends and community? What What would you say to somebody like that? Maybe they're not so close to their parents, but they have really good friends. Do you think that's a good outlet as well? That's a great outlet to be honest. Um as as long as you're comfortable with uh it and as long as you know that your friend is going to listen to you because um I have a really good friend alhamdulillah and she's basically like so far one of the few people that know um that I have bipolar and uh yeah when I kind of opened up with her she just you know she just supports me and she tries she really tries to encourage me to keep going and Mariam you got this and everything so if you definitely have a friend that you know will support you and you know will accept you with with anything then totally open up with them and totally tell them and it really like breaks that barrier of thinking that oh they're going to judge you but when you actually tell them they won't judge you in fact they will see the strength that you have and you can mm-hmm. empower them through that as well. So yeah, definitely I would definitely encourage anyone uh if they have a friend that they can open up with then totally. If you have like someone that you know that is bipolar, just ask them and see and you can really learn from the from their insights and their experiences even if they're still struggling with it. Cuz I know mm-hmm. I am still struggling mm-hmm. with it. But um yeah, but I just I talk I like uh I talk to you and I try to talk with another person as well and I kind of like get its and bits from here and just like um come up with my own insights as well and keep reminding myself of that. I think accepting I can see that you accepted bipolar and alhamdulillah I have too but I don't think acceptance makes the guilt and the tough feelings go away. 
I feel like they still pop up every time um, I have a new thing, you know, a new goal in my life, a new challenge, like, you know, getting a job or getting married or having a kid, any next, um, you know, normal step that comes in life. It's like I have to start kind of from ground zero again because those same feelings of, okay, I'm not good enough or because of bipolar, I can't do this. So it's like starting all over again. But um, Alhamdulillah, looking at you, you're setting a foundation, mashallah, that is so strong. Uh, when you hit these milestones, like getting into college or university, into a program you want, and then career, and then marriage or kids, if you know if that's in your goal, whatever that comes along the way, you have a solid foundation that you're setting. Inshallah, that will just make those goals easier. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to highlight and. I, I love that you reached out and, you know, you talked to me because that is what changed the course of my bipolar journey. I try to find people who are in the same situation and I find that support is the most important thing because you can have a doctor, you can have family, you can have medication and all that. But until you find uh, people of your own kind, you know, the species we were talking about, <laughs> until you find that, that, that's when you kind of feel at home. So thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, I have a new friend on my bipolar journey now. So I do too. Like I do have yeah. a as well. So that's good. It is. It's a great healing. Um, is there anything else you want to share or ask or uh, add? Oh, no. I, I think that really summed it up. I don't think so. Um, I think I'll probably have you on again, inshallah, because I, I feel like as you go along in life, I, I want to sh- uh, like listen to your story and I want to see how you're doing. And, you know, I think that'd be really cool. Great. My honor, yeah. to be honest. That's good. Well, honor is mine. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> to have met such a young person, mashallah. I am so amazed. I'm so inspired by you. Um, thank, you. thank you for coming on. And uh I hope uh, I hope to talk to you again, Maryam. Inshallah, hopefully. Yes, thank you so much. Jazakallah khairan. Wa iyaakum. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. All right, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you benefited, please subscribe to my podcast and share this episode with a family or a friend. All right, see you next time. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>